Welcome to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the Libra Energy episode. I just got back from probably the best vacation of my life. We went to Whole Box, Mexico with two of our friends um, to celebrate my husband Bo's 30th birthday. Whole Box is an island where you fly into Cancun and then you take a shuttle for two and a half hours And then you take a ferry to get to the island. So it's pretty remote because it's kind of hard to get to. And there really weren't a lot of tourists. I love, love, love Mexico and being in the ocean and being in the sun and just walking around in my bikini and living the island life. Every time I go to a vacation like that, I'm always like, hmm, should I move here? Which whole box is actually called, uh, or whole box means black hole. And it's because... People go there on vacation and then they say they're forever. It just sucks you in because they love it so much. But yeah, I am back after a lovely vacation feeling very de-stressed and relaxed. Today's guest is Melissa Gomez. You guys are going to love her. She is amazing. Melly and I actually were coworkers. We met in 2018 and we didn't ever really take our relationship outside of work and Recently, like about six months ago, we met up for drinks and we talked for four hours straight. We just totally hit it off and we were like, oh my God, I did not realize we had so much in common and are basically soul sisters. So I'm super thankful to have her in my life. She's like a big sister to me. She's kind of ahead of me in life, you could say, in a lot of ways. And I look up to her a ton. In this episode, she shares her story about how when she was 27, I think, or 28, um, she fell in love with a woman, and up until that point, she had considered herself to be straight, so it totally changed the course of her life, and um, so she talks about what it was like coming out to her family, who was Catholic, and how she was able to navigate those relationships. And then fast forward to now where she is pregnant and she is actualizing one of her biggest dreams and that is to become a mom. So it was such a great conversation. I cannot wait for you all to hear it. Now, without any further ado, please enjoy Melissa. Okay, do you prefer that I put my drink here or here? Either one, it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Great. I love your questions, by the way. I um, I showed them to me before coming over oh, you here. Did. And she was like, these are really deep. Are you prepared to do this? I'm like, yeah, babe. Like, this is what makes me me. And my friend knows me. So, like. Also, that's all we've talked about. I know. You know? <laughs> I don't think we've talked about I, the surface level. Stuff. No, I don't. Except love is blind. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I just watched the most recent season. All of Oh, them. good. Okay, we should talk about that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm still There's recovering. so much. First, let's do a sound check. Okay. <laughs> and then we can just roll it and see okay. what happens. <laughs> Is it weird hearing your voice? Yes. <laughs> I, do, you, do you feel like, how do you feel about hearing your voice for the first time? I've gotten used to it. Yeah. And I think this is an unpopular opinion or uncommon opinion, yeah. but I like my voice when yes. I hear it. Yes. And I think most people don't like hearing their voice. I like my voice, but I, I think I've had a complex because I know I have a little voice. But you're a powerful person. I'm a powerful so. person with a little voice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that. So I think still I'm like, oh, oh, but 
That reminds me of Chris and Bell. I actually just saw a video of her. Yes. She was driving a monster truck. Oh. And she's tiny. Like she's she, like bite size. Yeah, and she has a little voice. And she was driving a monster truck. <laughs> like, it was really funny. I know. You're like, I'm just so feminine. I can't even help it. Because sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Oh, fabulous. totally. No, I laugh at everything. I think that's when I get self-conscious when I'm listening to myself because I'll just laugh a lot. Like, I think a nervous giggle. Yeah. Where it's just, I don't need to laugh. Like, I'm yeah. not actually laughing, you know? <laughs> and so when I'm listening to it back, I'm just embarrassed by that, you yeah. know? But there's other things, too. I mean, I say like a lot mm-hmm. that I'm conscious about now. But as far as my actual voice, I'm okay with it. It's just speech patterns. Speech patterns are hard. They're tough. They're tough. And you don't realize it until you're listening to yourself. I don't know. Well, you know what's interesting? Have you heard of the book Word Slut? Mm-mm. So it's by this uh, an acquaintance of mine, actually. Her mm-hmm. name's Amanda Montel. And she takes apart the English language. And yeah. she talks about how women are ridiculed for saying like and for saying ums and filler words and it's seen as unintelligent and she was saying that it's actually it can be a strength because there's a casualness to it Mm -hmm. that can make someone feel really comfortable Mm -hmm. and can make someone feel at home Mm -hmm. instead of I don't know an extremely polished way of communicating that is intimidating yeah, informal. Yeah, so part of me likes my likes, you know, yes. because I do. And you're a California girl now. Exactly. So it's, <laughs> I, it's part of the territory. I and I totally agree with that. I remember the first time I felt self conscious about it was when I lived in Chicago for two years, and everyone could tell I was from California. And I said, anytime someone would say that to me, I'd say, "Is that supposed to be a bad thing?" Like, yeah. all they do is show California on TV. Like, right. I don't take it as a bad thing. It's kind of the epicenter of the universe. I know. So. I'm like, it's the epicenter of entertainment. Like, so, you know. Sorry, maybe, I'm Dan. I know. Exactly. Sorry I say, like, oh, wait, I'm not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I this know. is such a trip. I have to take a little picture of you because you're so cute. Cheese. Ah, love it. It's perfect. Oh, my God. Also, our drinks match your phone case. Oh, my God. It's meant to be. I love it. It's one of my favorite colors. I have a lot, a lot of um, this color yellow in my house. It's so happy. It is. It's so happy. It's like cheerful. Um, I didn't even realize we started. I know. I just like to sneak up on people that way. I'm Sneaky sneaker time. You've done this before. No, but I, I do want to do a little intro oh, to you. Okay. I don't know. About you. You can do it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Melly, for coming on. I am so excited. <laughs> um, we have known each other for a while now. 2018. Yes. So what is that? Five years? Yeah, five years. I know. I know. I don't understand. <laughs> but we recently reconnected and when we met up, it was like fireworks or something. A breath of fresh air, therapy, all of the above. We talked for like four hours straight. Oh, straight. It was a breath of fresh air and I feel like I didn't breathe the whole time. Like we were just (laughs) chatting and like word vomiting to each other. It was really awesome. So we just completely reconnected recently and I wanted to have you on because I think that your story 
is incredible and that everyone should hear it. Thank you for having me and I love you so much and the feeling is mutual. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) We have so many things in common. You have so many elements to you and your story and your journey. So uh, this is a really random question to start with, but it just popped up. So I'm going to ask it. Yeah. Um, we both share love for Glennon Doyle. Oh my gosh. And I know that you read Untamed. Yes. And I did too. And I'm just curious, like when you're reading that book, Mm -hmm. what became Untamed to you? Like what was the most impactful thing in that book? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I I have to say I love Glennon Doyle. I love uh, her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Um, And I love her book, Untamed, but I only recently read it after having been a fan of hers for years. Um, And our stories are completely different, but they have a lot of parallels to them. And I almost wish that I found the book sooner. Mm. Um. I think so much of the book really resonated with me and I think a huge part of growing up and becoming a woman is really unlearning and deconstructing all of these constructs that you were taught to fall into, all of these boxes that you um, kind of molded yourself into and I think she is such an incredible role model to kind of disrupt everything you were taught and unlearn everything you were taught because sometimes the thing you want the most like love is right in front of you Mm. you were just taught all of these different things um that covered it up yes and piled on top of it exactly exactly so I, I can't say that there's one aspect about the book I would say the whole thing and really Glennon's identity and who she is and what she stands for each and every day just really resonates with me. I can't even think of one specific example either. <laughs> right. It's just the whole thing. I'm like, go read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, just, you gotta read it. Just read it <laughs> yeah. and think about it and you'll continue thinking about it. Well, I think the, um, I don't intend for this to be like a book club or anything. But, I, <laughs> but I, you can make it one. <laughs> yeah. I love the, uh, the intro. Yes. Where she just tells a story about taking her daughter to the zoo Yes. And there's a cheetah mm-hmm. at the zoo that is in a cage. Yes. And the cheetah is like chasing after this dog or something. Mm-hmm. And they do this show where everyone's watching. And the point of it is the cheetah at the end of the show hangs its head and goes back into his little pen. Mm-hmm. And Glennon's, she's looking at the cheetah and she says, and she's thinking, you're a goddamn cheetah. Yes. Like you are so powerful and strong and yes. you can run faster than any species on the planet. Yes. And you are being caged and tamed. Exactly. And so she compares that to women mm-hmm. and how just growing up, like you're saying, the conditioning and the standards that we've all been raised in. Yes. Just from being alive. Exactly. <laughs> Living in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then that's the caging, that's the taming. And mm-hmm. so like unleashing who okay. you truly are and that love inside of you. Absolutely. And just to tack onto that, it's really not even knowing your own capability or your yeah. own worth. And I do think about that intro all the time. I think I thought about it yesterday. But, you know, if you're taught to be small, how do you break out of that? 
Um, and I think that's a, a huge theme for her. And I think that's a huge theme for all of us as we continue to grow up. Mm-hmm. How have you broken free of some of the conditioning that you were raised in? Yeah. And how did you go about identifying what that was yeah. and deconstructing it, whatever it was for you? I feel like it's a process just like anything, right? You, you are really learning who you are as a young adult. Um, and I think you start to chip away all of these constructs bit by bit and you do it slowly and um, you do it over time and it shakes you to your core a lot of the time. Um, just like when you're a little kid and you find out, you know, Santa Claus isn't real, you're <laughs> you kind of have a breakdown. Well, some of us, some of us Oh, didn't. it wrecked me. Yes. <laughs> I was bawling, crying. Exactly. But it, I think, um, you know, deconstructing a lot of what we learn is, is a lot like that. Um, a, a lot of it isn't as dramatic and profound, but a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. It can be. And a lot of it, you start to kind of break down and freak out and ask yourself questions, you know, was my life a lie? Was everything I learned a lie? But I think you need um, that uncovering in order to get to the core of who you are. So um, to answer your question, I think little by little over time, you start to uncover your stu- yourself and you start to uncover these, um, these larger constructs to find out your true identity. Sometimes I think, at least for me, it can seem like it gets worse before it gets better. 100%. I think it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even just the Santa Claus example, it's like devastating, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yes. Devastating. <laughs> but like, it would be kind of weird if you're 30 and you still believe in Santa, you know? Like, it oh, needs yeah. to be uncovered. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure it exists somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, de- there's probably some show about that, you know? Like, um, but uh, a lot of them are straight up lies. Yes that we find ourselves believing in for 20 plus years Uh and then when we realize they were lies (laughs) it's traumatic because it's like there's just so many layers to it yes and it can get really difficult oh yeah (laughs) and then you get to the healing and all of that's just a, a natural progression and I think um figuring out who you are I think a huge pro a huge part of that process is you know, hating the people who were responsible for you growing up. Mm. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. You know, like, I think we all go through our own processes and through that you come out the other side and you're like, okay, they had my best interest at heart or they were trying their best or um, they were just using the tools in their toolbox. But, you know, we all hopefully find ourselves in the end. Yeah, like you almost have to get it out of your system. Yep. If you just have it all together, like, oh, no, it's, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. Yeah. It's almost as if you're not acknowledging how it affected you uh-huh. and how it hurt. And it's almost impossible to, like, acknowledge that deep pain uh-huh. and not have negative feelings towards the people who raised you uh-huh. or whoever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it is a part of the healing process. It seems counterintuitive. Like when I think of healing, I think of 
almost only positive feelings. I think healing's associated with I have it all together. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of healing looks like bawling crying. <laughs> <laughs> getting it out and screaming into a pillow. Yeah. And that is part of the process. I think it takes a long time until you're you're this like balanced human being. And I am obsessed with the concept of balance um, because... I do believe in astrology and I'm a true Libra and a true romantic. And um, I think one of the biggest downfalls of that is that you're always trying to achieve balance. Um, and I think you get frustrated in that notion because sometimes it takes a lifetime to achieve balance. Yeah. It takes a lifetime to figure out who you are, it takes a lifetime to heal your wounds, but it is your responsibility to mm. heal. The institutions or the people that hurt you growing up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gosh, yeah, there's so many things I I want to ask you. (laughs) Yes, go ahead. Um, I'm like, where do I start? Okay, let's talk about sexuality in particular. Let's do it. What was the process like for you coming into your own and exploring your sexuality? Totally. Well, I am first generation um, American, so I am... Chicana, I'm Mexican-American, and with that comes a pretty strong Catholic upbringing. <laughs> so I, I would say one part of my identity is I grew up um, going to church every Sunday and having my first communion, being baptized, all of that good stuff. But on the other side of me, I always knew I was a very sexual person. Um, I, I would say growing up, my parents would describe me as boy crazy. <laughs> For lack of a better term, it's not something anyone should ever be proud of. But um, I think what they meant was I popped out just wanting to love and wanting to be you know, touchy-feely and give hugs, you know, when I was little. And then that grew into wanting to kiss. So then that grew into wanting to be romantic with people. So there was kind of this um, dichotomy within my own identity, which was, um, you know, be conservative, (laughs) be a good girl, uh, follow these rules. And then there was who I really was. Your Libra energy. Yes, exactly. My Libra energy. I'm a romantic. I'm a lover. Um, So again, it was just about balancing those two things. And I would say growing up, I was very ordinary. I had boyfriends in high school and in college. And um, I really always identified as straight, even though I had so many gay friends. I love them. I grew up uh, a huge part of my life in Northern California and San Francisco. And I grew up going to gay pride and I always loved it. But when it came to my own sexuality, I never really considered myself anything other than straight. Um, and that all changed and <laughs> came crashing down on me. Uh, when, um, the year 2015 came around and um, I met my now wife. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, How old were you in 2015? I want to say I was either 27 or 28. Okay. So it was definitely like like a later in life, I would say way later in life kind of awakening. Because up until that point, you had really not considered no. dating a woman. Not at all. Not at all. Um, 
I would say <clears throat> nothing outside of like the regular girl crushes, you know, like right. growing up, like Angelina Jolie. Totally. Total babe. Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna. Total babe. Oh my gosh, you know. Um, I've definitely always been interested in the topic of uh, sexuality and bisexuality and anything outside of what's considered heteronormative, but just personally, I never felt that way. Why do you think that is? Like, do you think that growing up all along, you had that, would you Mm -hmm. identify as bisexual or? Right now? Yeah, right now. Yeah, that's a great question. So I would identify as queer now. Yeah. Um, And I would also identify as pansexual under the umbrella of LGBTQ+. Yeah. Um, the, and for people who don't yes. know, what is pansexual? Yes, um, thank you for asking. So, pansexual is just being attracted to people based on who they are, regardless of gender. Yeah. Um, and that can be outside of the true gender binary. So, um, it's really taking every gender into consideration. So, everything from, um, you know intersex to obviously traditional male and female, but also trans individuals. Um, pansexual people don't really see gender. They see people mm-hmm. and they fall in love with people and it's not a joke. It's a true, true identifying factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. is the difference between, what's the difference between pan and bi? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really great question and I would have to say from my personal point of view, um, if you're bisexual, you're kind of more traditionally attracted to both just male and female. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and I think pansexual is just kind of like, you're not really caring about what body parts people have. You're paying attention to who they are. For sure. And going back to your question in regards to, do I think I felt that way growing up? I think absolutely. Um, I don't think I ever got to a point where I look back on like a female friendship and said, oh, I wish I would have taken that to a romantic level. But I have always had a lot of friends and have loved to be around so many different kinds of people. Um, Even, you know, in my 20s when I dated only men, I really dated every kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I dated every race, every religion. I was just interested in, you know. Who they are. Who they are. And I was also really interested in people who grew up outside of the super white suburbs that I grew up in and wanted to know their story. Um, I think I was just kind of craving uniqueness. Yeah. Um, So... That was kind of the uncovering, and obviously when I when I met my wife, my whole world turned upside down. <laughs> so, yeah, so a lot of it would be that conditioning. Sure. That kind of kept you from seeing yourself oh, yeah. for who you are. Oh, absolutely. So for Tanya, your yes. wife. Yes. When you met her, mm-hmm. did it was it like an instant revelation when you met her? It was like lightning. Oh my gosh, that makes me so excited. Yeah. Oh, it, I love that. It was it was uh, nothing short of electric. And did it take you aback? Yes. 
Were you like, wait, what? Yes. I thought I was straight. What's yes. happening? 100%. I mean, imagine thinking you know who you are your whole life, and then you literally meet one person and, you know, spend one weekend with them, and you're like, nope, I'm throwing the last 28 years out the window. Like, what the heck is that? Have you been lying to yourself? You know, you go through so much um, uncovering and digging, and I think... <laughs> I think sometimes you have to leave logic behind. I think we put way too much of an emphasis on logic and not enough of an emphasis on intuition. Mm. And sometimes what you love or what you like goes against all these rules that have been placed before you. And so in that instance, I really, I really just followed my heart. <laughs> even though my whole life said oh my gosh like this isn't you who are you which um, best decision you've ever made I'm yes. sure best decision of my life which is so interesting because I think so many people do lead with their minds yes. and they are logical thinkers and make so many life decisions based on logic yes and if I think back in my life almost all of my favorite decisions I've ever made were 100% heart Led. See, that's why we're friends. Yeah. That's why we're friends. <laughs> that's why we're friends. I know. Hey, someone could go on a different podcast if they weren't like factual evidence or something. Data. Whatever. Data is data. Yeah. I mean, that is data as well, which is interesting. I think a that's lot of right. times people think that, or it seems like intuition and following your heart goes against all logic, but sometimes it doesn't. It's like, the data is I am the most joyful I've ever been and I feel the most free. That is true. Yep. So I'm also going to follow that. Uh, okay, so you so you met Britannia. Yes. And then were you afraid to kind of go all in with her? Or was it easy because you just knew this person is for me? Yeah. I think... Um... <laughs> I think because I've always been a romantic, I've kind of been all in up front. Um, was I scared? Hell yeah. I was totally scared. I was so beyond scared. But What were you afraid of specifically? I mean, I was scared of my Mexican Catholic family. Yeah. Um, specifically. And I was also scared of... <laughs> This identity I had mm. built for myself my whole life as this, you know, going back to what I said as a, as a descriptor in my childhood, this boy crazy girl. Yeah. How the heck do you describe a, a straight woman, formerly straight woman who, you know, dated a bunch of cute guys and that was like a huge part of their life just kind of completely falling in love with a woman and now today because of social media because of the beauty of media you get to see more and more stories like that but even though 2015 wasn't that far away I felt so isolated at the time when it happened um but even outside of that I knew it's it was something I had to pursue because it was a chemical reaction between two people. And, you know, for lack of a better word, it was kind of love at first sight. So I went for it and I kind of went all in. Um, at that 
time, Britannia, my wife, she identified as, as queer. Um, and I really had to be the pursuer in the relationship because she didn't take me seriously. She was like, you don't identify. What are you talking about? Like you have a boyfriend. And I was like, Hey, pay attention to me. Do you want to go on a date? <laughs> yeah. Cause she didn't want to get hurt where you weren't able to be with her exactly because of those fears. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of it goes back to labels and identifying factors and saying, Oh, I'm straight or I'm queer where I think with a lot of the progress happening today, I think especially with how Gen Z is identifying, a lot of people are seeing a lot of the gray area, which mm -hmm. I think is great to kind of break down those constructs because then more people can hopefully find love. I totally agree. And break the rules. Yeah. Labels can be really helpful. Yes. And I kind of love labels. I love being like, I'm a Pisces, of you course. know, or whatever. It of just course. helps. There's so much of who we are. Like, we're so complex. Yes. That it does kind of help me tangibly describe myself or know myself. Sure. At the same time, some labels, a lot of labels can be self-limiting beliefs in a way. If we um, label ourselves with something that might be accurate at the time, but then we grow and change and evolve and then it becomes inaccurate. Sure. Then it can throw everything off and it can keep <laughs> us in a box where we're meant to not be in the box. So yeah. I want to be open to everything because you never know. It could come out of nowhere. Like it came out of nowhere for you. Oh, for sure. And I love that you're open to that. I think that more people should be open to that. You know, what if, what if, you know, what if there weren't all of these limiting factors? What if I didn't grow up in a Christian household, in a Catholic household? What if I didn't grow up in the South? What if I didn't grow up in, you know, the crazy conservative suburbs of the East Bay, Northern California? Who would I be? Right. Um, if you had more freedom exactly. as a kid. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think just kind of like being open-minded to that. And, you know, even in my late 20s, I hadn't found my partner yet. And I think that's also what made me really open to that fact because I really wanted a partner. Right. It's almost like the universe was waiting for you to have an open mind yep. and open heart. Yes. And then, boom, it happened just in a way that you would not have thought and could not have planned. <laughs> I think the universe is really open to um, to gratitude. I think mm. the more you sit and appreciate what you have, the more it kind of responds to your calling. Um, that's so that, cool. that's something I've tried to focus on a bit more as I've gotten older. Like gratitude I mean, practice, gratitude yep. practice, all <laughs> kind of replace formal religion. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of the universe and yes. formal religion, yes. I'm curious, what does spirituality or religion look like for you now? Would, yeah. would you say that you still have some elements of your Catholic upbringing or would you say that you've kind of gone in different space? I would say both. Okay. Um, I would say it's a hybrid, Sarah. Okay, uh, hybrid, <laughs> hybrid work balance, hybrid work-life balance, yes. hybrid <laughs> religion. Take aspects of what works for you and leave the rest at the door. Um, Love it. I think a huge part of me 
being a Chicana and being a Mexican American is that a lot of my religion is cultural. Um, and it's taken me a long time to kind of decipher what's like true religion and what's, what are aspects of culture that I love. So there are certain things like, um, if somebody's sick in my family or if, um, somebody's going through a hard time, I still like Catholic candles at my house mm -hmm. just because I'm thinking about them and I want to give them a little bit extra love in the universe. Mm -hmm. So that is connected back to Catholicism, but I'm not going to church every Sunday. Um, right. I would say something that something else that goes back to my Catholic upbringing is the fact that um, we found out that we were pregnant at the beginning of this year, and we're so excited about it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we're so, so excited. excited for y'all. Thank you. You know, I've fallen out of most of the aspects of Catholicism, but what's been really interesting in coming to the realization that there's life growing inside of me is, you know, I love a little bit harder right now. And as a result of that, I've gone back to praying mm -hmm. a little bit more, which has been a little strange for me, just um, given that my coming out story was hard. Um, it was specifically hard within my immediate family. And I think a huge part of that is due to being Catholic and the church's stance on queer people as a mm -hmm. whole. Mm -hmm. um, even though there is a very progressive Pope, we still have a long way to go. For sure. Um, and that caused a lot of damage. Um, with that being said, I think children are beautiful and the fact that we're having our own, um, gives me a lot of hope. Um, which has allowed me to pray and praying doesn't have to necessarily be connected to an institution. It right. can be kind of like a universal emotional spiritual practice that you have with whatever God or the universe means to you. Yeah. It's personal. Yeah. That's beautiful, Melly. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool that just so recently you've been incorporating prayer back into your life. Weird. Because you haven't before, No, right? no, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. But wow. I think I just, I love, I love a little harder right now. I feel a lot more responsibility. Just, you know, going to be a mom at the end yeah. of this year. Brittany and I are going to be moms. And I feel a lot more responsibility um, just in every role and aspect of each human I love in my life. Mm -hmm. So I mean, anything I can do to help, I will. I have a feeling that's only going to be the beginning uh, <laughs> when your baby is born. I think you're going to, your love capacity is going to expand even more. Possibly. Love bombing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Not the fake love bombing, you know. No. <laughs> An actual love explosion that yeah. is real and genuine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I am so excited that you guys are pregnant. <laughs> So with family, I feel like people want to know more about that because I know I get that question all the time about yes. you know, deconstructing from Christianity. Like the number one question people ask me is, how did it affect your relationship with your family? Yeah. So um, I know you had mentioned your fears about mm. diving in with Britannia and exploring that relationship mm -hmm. and how it relates to your family. Mm -hmm. um, so how did that go? 
I know a little bit, <laughs> but I'd love for you to share. Yeah. Because I think that is, family is so important to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can be a huge barrier in somebody going after what they want. What they want. Yeah. And what they know is right for them. Mm-hmm. So even if they know it's right for them, family can sometimes get in the way, even if they're not even intending to. Sure. Well... Coming out was horrible. <laughs> oh my god! I'm glad it was a long time ago. Oh yeah. But because so that you're actually laughing. Yes. But also, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, honestly, I think, I think coming out is the hardest experience I've ever survived. Wow. Um, and I think too, in a lot of regards. People have to come out for a lot of different reasons. And it's not a process that I really like to give advice on because it's so specific to each individual Mm. um, and each individual's experience because every family nucleus is really different. So I'm sure like when you describe leaving your church, that was a huge coming out process to you and to your parents. And that was really, really hard. I think the queer community has it especially hard. Um, I don't. I hope that we get to the point one day where queer people don't have to come out or it's kind of just like, hey, mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom, this is my girlfriend, this is my boyfriend, this is they, them that I love so much. Um, Have you seen uh, Love, Simon? Yes. I think we talked about this. Love. Where they have that scene... When the kids are coming out to the parents of straight. Yes. I love that scene. I know. I thought that was such a good perspective. It's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous for someone to have to be like, mom, dad, I'm straight. And in the same vein, it's ridiculous yes. to have to say that, you know, you have to come out and make it yeah. a big deal. It's just like, sure. I, I mean, but it's not, it's still in our society. So many people just assume yes. that someone's straight. Of course. That's the default. That is the default. And something I've learned through this process also is not to assume anybody's sexuality, mm. which has uh, been huge for me. It's it's truly been huge. Um, and to just be less assuming of people, generally um, speaking. But I also think that's a lifelong lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, really there has been a lot of healing since I've come out. Um, and I came out in 2016 to my family. Um, I would say initially it was met with a lot of rejection, um, and being that I'm from a Mexican culture, it's filled with, uh, a lot of machismo and women do this and men do this, um, Mm -hmm. and they play really specific roles. Um, and I also played a really specific role growing up. I was, you know, it was a certain type of girl and a certain type of girl doesn't do what I did. Um, but you know, they always say you make, you make plans and God laughs and that's exactly what she did. (laughs) You said that. I just saw like a post on Instagram that said that. Weird. Yes. And that's exactly what she did. She was laughing all the way home. Um, (laughs) but, um, I would say that the damage that was done wasn't irreparable. 
if you believe in forgiveness, which I do. And that is something I can attribute to growing up Catholic. Yeah. Is really believing in forgiveness. Um, I would say it took years. It really took... Britannia and I have been together for seven years. I would say only in the last two years has it gotten really good. And what I mean by good is normal to Mm -hmm. other people's standards or, you know, a lot of straight people's standards. Mm -hmm. Um, So it hasn't been easy for us, but I also just feel really thankful um, to have gotten to the place where I've gotten to with my family Um, my dad specifically is a very difficult person (laughs) and he loves my wife and they have a really unique relationship and it really goes to show that you have to work really hard for your relationships. Yeah. And that's why you need to take the people who you call your family, whether it's by blood or your chosen family. And really, my chosen family got me through Mm. those seven years. Shout Mm. out to them. Um, Whether, regardless of what your family looks like, you have to fight for it. Yeah. Tooth and nail. Would you say, I'm so happy, first of all, that it has gotten to a normal, tolerable place (laughs) in the past (laughs) two years. Um, would you say that uh, your parents and family changed or you did um, or and like you forgave them and so it just made it more tolerable or both? Like what changed? I'd say both. Yeah. I think um, my family is really traditional, so it required them to dig really deep and consider things really outside of themselves. You know, my mom's from a small town in central Mexico and moved here when she was 13. And my dad is first generation. I grew up in Santa Monica. Um, And both of his parents, my grandparents, were born in Mexico. So, look, they were doing the best with what they had and what they were taught. We have to remember that. Um, And I think through my understanding of that, that's how I was able to forgive them. I grace, think, too. Just grace. extending grace. Extending grace. And that's, that's a huge part of, like, you might have learned that from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you have to connect um, those things like grace and forgiveness back to why you are the person that you are today. Mm-hmm. And look, I, you know, sometimes I... I wish I was strong enough to stick to my guns and, you know, be upset with people that hurt me. But I also wouldn't have anyone sitting around my table if I didn't fight for all of those people and to have those tough conversations um, to make them understand me. Um, I would say I also changed. I was a really big people pleaser (laughs) growing up and... I did a lot for my family and not a lot for myself. Um, and Britannia was the one true decision I made for myself. And I stuck to that because that is what made me happy. And it's never proven me wrong. Mm. Uh, I'm so glad you did. So you guys um, got married recently. Yes, we did. When did you get married? We got married in August of 2022. 
I guess you're coming up on your one year. Oh my gosh, already? Ugh, that's wild. Just in a few months. That's wild. Yeah. I'm trying to catch up to you and Bo. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> funny thing about anniversaries, I don't think you'll ever catch up. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're on seven, and we're that's just going to keep going up. <laughs> that's true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but not really. I mean, um, yeah, so tell me about your wedding. Because is- it fell at an interesting time politically. <laughs> yes. And I know that it was a little sped up, the process. Oh, you can see that. <laughs> yeah. So how long was your um, engagement period? Yeah, so our engagement, so we we were engaged for nine months, ten months. Um, you know, when we were engaged, it was still kind of like in the thick of COVID and... We were kind of taking our time with the planning process because we wanted all of our loved ones to be together, right? We had just survived the plague. Right. <laughs> like, what What the heck do you even do with that? It feels weird to have any sort of gathering yet right. or celebration even. It's like, let's yeah. just wait till we can <laughs> yes. I don't, get further, some more distance between this tragedy. Yes. And even as it relates to a wedding, you're like, Let's make it all about us. Like, you know, like it just felt very uh, not time appropriate for what was happening in the world. For sure. Uh, So we wanted to give it a little bit of space to breathe before we planned that out. And I don't think that we had ever had hopes to have a, you know, a huge wedding by any means. But um, we wanted to take our time with the planning process. Um, So that very quickly changed in what was it, June of 2022, when Roe versus Wade was overturned, (laughs) and women everywhere, and men, and the population of human beings were up in arms that protections that women had for 50 years in this country were overturned. Um, I still think I'm in denial about that. I think I am too. It's actually, like, I have to pinch myself still now that um, we have less rights than our moms did? I don't really understand. <laughs> I, I I don't think I've actually let it sink in. Even just hearing you say it, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm almost hearing it for the first time because I think I blocked it out. True. I Truly. just can't even fathom it. Right. And, you know, we're in California, which is nice that a lot of our rights are still intact, yes. but still, like, across the country, it's not, they're not there. No, I think 17 states right now um, make it so you can't get an abortion and that so many people are legally persecuted. Doctors, medical systems, making it so women everywhere are affected. And the, yeah, the um, doctors can go to jail, right? Yes, they can. It's truly, it's truly unbelievable. So we've really lived through an unprecedented time, just like in looking at the past couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to just really be thinking of us living in a time where we, in my personal opinion, our Supreme Court is so archaic and could allow something like that to happen, you know, it really scared <laughs> Britannia and I because... As we learned in 2023 alone, I think there have been 461 bills 
proposed against the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so really, as it as it relates to political parties and the conservative views of this country, they're coming after us and they're coming after our rights. And that's the reality of it. Um, we we try and you know do the best we can and stay positive every single day. But I think really with the reality of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we got scared that <laughs> our rights were going to be taken next. Of course. So us being creatives, we kind of <laughs> took the driver's seat as we do and made something really beautiful out of the possibility of something that would be heartbreaking and really, really hard. So we sped up our timeline and our process, um, and we plan our wedding in six weeks. No way. Yes way. <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> and, you know, it ended up being a small wedding. It was a micro wedding. Um, a lot of, you know, people getting married right now are doing this, this trend, and I highly recommend it. But we basically planned a small 25-person wedding in Santa Monica, California, where we live. Um, and it was everything we wanted and more. It was stemmed out of fear, mm. but it was rooted out of love and it was perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, didn't you say y'all were at anthropology and trying on like a bajillion dresses? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, as, as you can tell, like we are, we're traditional in a lot of ways, but very non-traditional in a lot of other ways. And I remember going to uh, Beholden, which was part of uh, anthropology, and I brought uh, two of my closest friends uh, to get a wedding dress within five weeks and pretty much gave my, our, um, our shop girl a heart attack because <laughs> she didn't think it was possible. <laughs> but what she didn't know is that all three of us had worked in buying and merchandising we also worked on the retail floor so we're like girl you cannot lie to our faces right now we know that we can make this happen and we found a beautiful wedding dress that was delivered and fit on time in six weeks i'm so glad she really did not know who she was talking to <laughs> she did not know no i know i also have the sweetest, best friends in the world. I'm so lucky, and I never take that for granted. For granted, and they're tough cookies. <laughs> they're like, we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> they're, they're tough cookies. <laughs> Melly's having her wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, y'all's photos were gorgeous. I couldn't get over all the photos. So beautiful. You really Thank could you. feel the love from the photos. Aww. I think photos hold energy and like there are some photos that you can feel the energy behind the moment mm -hmm. and I really just thought that it shone through with y'all's pictures you're so sweet for saying that because um I think on your and Bo's anniversary I want to say it was a couple months ago you posted some photos you took in downtown LA. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know those were shot after the fact from your wedding, but it yeah, they were done so beautifully, and I can only return the compliment and say that love is felt. Oh, like love is felt, <laughs> and pictures are worth a thousand words, <laughs> truly. I love those photos too. They really 
felt super authentic to us. And I love that. And Kristen did both of our makeups. Oh my right. gosh, of I mean, course she did. Of course she did. She's so talented. Oh wait, uh, you and Britannia? Yes. Okay, she did it. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kristen did our makeup. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's also magic behind that. Totally. <laughs> Seriously, like, I can't look ugly when she does my makeup. <laughs> no, no. It's impossible. No. I feel the same way. I'm, I think I'm still trying to hit that look every single day. I I'm know. like, how is. How are people so talented? I, I have watched YouTube videos. It just doesn't. I mean, no. I'll get it in a way that I'm like, all right, I can exit my home, but this <laughs> is not, this is not anywhere close to when an actual makeup artist will put makeup on my face. I'm like, how the heck do they do it? Like, what am I doing wrong? I don't understand. Well, A, you don't give yourself enough credit, <laughs> and B, I truly think that there are just people who are so beyond talented in this world. Also, it looks effortless. Yes. They do it in a way where it looks like you're not even wearing a lot of makeup at all. <laughs> yes. It's just flawless. So talented. You, know? you can't see any cakiness mm-hmm. or anything. It's just flawless. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. Truly. Yeah. Anyway, so happy for y'all. I'm so glad that, like, it's cool because it just seems like it was meant to be, even mm-hmm. though, like you said, it was fear that kind of rushed on to, oh, we better get married before our freaking rights are taken away. <laughs> it just worked out, and it was for a reason, and it ended up being perfect. It just perfection. Yes. Now y'all are onto a very big journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're pregnant. Which, yes. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled for y'all. Oh, thank you. I really am. Um, so how far along are you? So I'm about to be 18 weeks, so I think that puts me right between right between four and five months. Okay. Five months. And have you shared with any people? You know, we've shared with our family and close friends. Like we haven't made like a like a social announcement or anything like that. We're not really huge on social, but um we're about to tell the whole world. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? Well, no, uh, I can wait. I'll wait. So <laughs> you tell everybody. No, but it's released tomorrow. <laughs> no, we're so excited. It's like, look, parenting isn't for for everyone, and I I fully believe that. Uh, I don't I don't judge anyone whether they want to be parents or not, but. Um, I know I just really want to be a mom so I'm really excited at the at the opportunity of being a mom you have so much love to give you have to be a mom <laughs> a little a little too much I need I need my own little uh my own little one to kind of give love to <laughs> yes they can absorb it yes. oh yeah um how was your pregnancy then you know pregnancy is really hard um and I don't know if it was the fact that I don't think women talked about it enough in front of me or if I wasn't ready to listen. Mm, yeah, like maybe you had heard comments but just blocked yeah. them out because you're yes, like, I I'm really want to be pregnant. Exactly. So exactly. I think, I think you have to take a huge responsibility in your own healing process. And I think at first I was like, nobody ever talks about how hard this is. And then I took a step back and I was like, were you actually listening to people when they had gone through their experiences? And I'm like, hmm, maybe that's a better question. (laughs) Yeah. But so far, I mean, we're so over the moon to be pregnant, but pregnancy is really 
hard, especially when you are really accustomed to knowing your body, you know, it works for your body and are kind of stuck on routines, which I definitely am. I'm kind of like a stickler on routines. Um, it kind of flips everything on its head and everything you thought you knew about your body or thought you liked as it relates to food or feeding yourself or what you think is a normal amount of energy is kind of thrown out the window and you're starting from scratch. <laughs> wow. So you're almost having to get to know your body all over again. True. Yes. All over again. Which you and I have both, we've talked about how we've had an eating disorder. Yes. And so I'm curious, how has that, has that come up for you? Like with your body changing oh, yeah. and been kind of triggered? I think that's, I think that's such a good topic and such a good question because, um, yes, I've absolutely been triggered, um, because of my past disordered eating. Um, but I also think it's a topic that I'm kind of like geeking out on in terms of like my new mommy blogs, um, because it's, it's a condition that isn't unique to women. Um, I think I'm not sure what the statistic is now, but I think um, I saw or I was listening to a show and I think it says like, you know, as much as 70% of Americans can be hit with disordered eating. Mm. I think if you break that statistic down into women specifically, I'm sure it's even higher, at least in some point of their lives. Uh, I think that's even harder as Mm. it relates to pregnancy. You have to just trust in your intuition you have to trust in your own body that it's telling you what it needs to do and it's a lot of deconstructing like we've talked about but you're basically gearing up to do the biggest role of your life so I think it's normal for that to be that with a lot of intense emotion (laughs) you gotta be well fed you gotta be well fed just just like in order to do your job well and to you know be a good partner and to you know be emotionally healthy you have to eat you have to eat just like if you're growing a baby you have to eat it's interesting because I think not I mean I know not eating puts our bodies in a constant state of stress yes and stress can't be good for a baby that's trying to grow right so it really is just such a cool reminder that you're growing a little mini human inside you and you get to take care of them by feeding yourself by taking care of yourself you're inherently also taking care of them yes absolutely and look like you know if you have an ed it's a lifelong struggle it really is but um I started really healing mine during COVID. I think a lot of people's um, kind of vices. Uh, oh yeah, came to they came did. to head. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were all confronted we were with all confronted. our habits. Yeah, you're like, oh, I have this really bad thing. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, I might have had disordered eating. Yeah. 17 and I'm now confronting it at 33. Oh, okay. Look at that. Look at, look at 
that. Uh, I think, I guess you had to slow time down to come to that self-realization. And it's a lifelong healing. But I also knew when that came to a, to a head with me, um, that that was something I had to heal because my greater goal was being a mom. Mm-hmm. So I started healing that three years ago, just knowing I was kind of preparing myself for my bigger goal, just to be a mom. And we're so lucky that we're here. But it definitely comes with its challenges. But every every blessing, every opportunity comes with its own set of challenges. And I think human beings, I think specifically women, are constantly deconstructing ourselves to build ourselves back up. And I think motherhood kills a lot of aspects about what your life was before your child gets here. And that's not to say it's bad, but you're going to build yourself up to like an even better life ahead. You're also shedding an identity shedding of identity. Yeah. childless. And then now you will be a mom. You're taking on a new identity. Yep. But you are shedding an identity of uh, what is it called? A dink, double income, no kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dink. yes, we were dinks. Yeah, no, no longer. No longer. <laughs> no, no longer double income kids. Later dinks. <laughs> you guys, you and Bo are dinks. We're I, still. You guys we're, enjoy yeah, it. We're still in that identity. I, that's a beautiful identity. Whatever yeah. you, whatever you identify yeah. as, <laughs> all oh is welcome here. I love it. Like so cute, how fun this is. I can get. I totally get why you do this. It's like, it's like fun therapy. It really is. It's fun like, therapy, and it's an excuse to see people that you love <laughs> yeah. and have deep conversations, which we love. Which we love. Yeah, that's all, that's all you and I do. You're like. Sorry, we don't just hang out. <laughs> we just record a podcast episode every time we see each other. We could have a, a private file. <laughs> it's like a little too deep. Also, yeah. also, my favorite quote for me today is you, you drinking this and be like, I feel like there's something missing. And I'm like, yeah, girl, it's called awful. Oh my God. <laughs> you pour some in here. Oh, that was missing. It actually was. Like, I really did the trick. (laughs) So great. Thank you so much for sharing and just being so vulnerable and open. I mean, hearing your story is so inspiring. I think a lot of people can relate and, like, pull out bits and pieces that are meaningful to them. And I know, for me, I connect with so much. You are extremely brave and bold to follow your truth and be yourself and stay true to yourself so I just really appreciate you and I love you thank you I love you so much and I I love your story and I think ultimately you can find something in common with like each person sitting around you and thank you for having me thank you for letting me talk you are so welcome. Okay, well, that's this is our new favorite thing, podcasting. Yes. Love it. It's so relaxing. I'll bring my mic to dinner next time. 